Welcome to 15 Minutes on Health Inequalities and a special podcast related to COVID-19. My name is Alastair Leyland from the MRC CSO Social and Public Health Sciences Unit at the University of Glasgow. And with me is... Anna Pierce. I'm a research fellow at the same unit um, within the University of Glasgow. And today we're talking to... At Vital Katskredi, I'm a senior clinical research fellow, also at the MRC CSO Social and Public Health Sciences Unit at the University of Glasgow. Uh, but I also work some of my time at Public Health Scotland. Okay, Vital, can you tell us what prompted this piece of research? So, obviously, when the COVID nineteen pandemic broke out, uh, we re realised that it was likely to have a, a really large impact on people's lives. And in particular, not just the infection, but the uh, response required to address the in infection. So we know that governments across the world uh, have had to impose rigorous uh, social distancing or physical distancing, if you like, measures to reduce the spread of the disease. Um, so we, uh, we're interested in, well, what's the adverse or and potentially positive impacts of that large-scale response? Uh, so the work really came about uh, from conversations we were having within Public Health Scotland. Uh, in particular, the lead author, Margaret Douglas, uh, is an expert in health impact assessments and runs the Scottish Health Impact Assessment Network. So it was a natural... Uh, thing for us to do to try and uh, understand and map out what the range of impacts might be. Thanks Vital. So can you um, tell us a little bit more about what you did? Okay so uh, health impact assessment is a way of trying to think through and map out the range of impacts that might happen uh, on health of uh, large-scale changes uh, that happen outside of the healthcare sector. So often uh, when people think about health, uh, they immediately think about healthcare and uh, a lot of the good work that's being done. Uh, so for example, by the NHS at the moment in the UK. Um, but actually what happens outside of healthcare is also hugely important. And there's a danger that we forget about what the consequences are of changes to broader uh, society. So uh, quite early on the pandemic, we realized that some of the, the social distancing measures that at that point were being thought about might have quite large scale consequences. So we were interested in trying to uh, map out what those consequences might be, think about how do we uh, potentially mitigate any adverse consequences. Uh, so it was very much trying to uh, undertake a practical exercise of uh, identifying potential harms and reduce those harms. Um, in terms of what we actually did, we uh, tried to come up with uh, a framework for thinking through the, what things were going to happen or might happen in the future. Um, and then uh, think about, well, what might be the pathways through which they would result in impacts on health uh, and paying particular attention to uh, 
uh, health inequalities as well. So are there potential impacts on specific uh, population subgroups, for example? Uh, once we'd come up with a framework, we then tried to look at the existing literature and what we know about uh, health mechanisms in general to try and uh, informally predict what the range of impacts might be. So we weren't really trying to come up with uh, specific quantitative models, but more think through what, uh, which groups might be particularly adversely affected and are there things we should be thinking about doing to protect uh, people's health. And which groups did you find face the greatest health threats from the social mitigation measures? Unfortunately, um, our analysis suggested that it was going to be the people who had started off uh, as uh, the most disadvantaged in society in many ways, who were likely to disproportionately face health harms, uh, not just from uh, the COVID-19 infection, but also from uh, the, the response that's, being, that's required to try to protect people's health. Um, so for example, uh, many uh, socioeconomically, uh, so poorer people um, often have uh, poorer pre-existing health even before the pandemic. And we realized that uh, they tended to work in uh, more insecure jobs, for example, um, and were often more at risk of losing their job. So uh, there are potential adverse consequences of employers uh, having to close down their workplaces and so forth, which might result in health impacts, uh, both in the short term, so things like poorer mental health, uh, but also potentially longer term health consequences as well. Uh, so. Um, I suppose it's, it's this difficult situation of needing to make sure we protect uh, many of the, most, uh, the more vulnerable groups within society uh, during this pandemic period. So in the um, report, you outline a, a list of groups, a specific groups that are at particular risk, and one of those was young people. Um, I was interested to hear whether you found anything about younger children, because we know that the early years is a, an important period in the life course with um, lots of physical, uh, socio-emotional, cognitive changes occurring. Um, was there any um, evidence pointing towards them being a, an especially vulnerable group? So, so that's, a, that's a good question. It's, it's really difficult to know, to be honest. So. Um, the first thing to say is we weren't able to do a really comprehensive uh, assessment of all the existing evidence in this area, um, especially because we were trying to uh, produce something that was going to be useful uh, for, our, for uh, public health practice as well as, as a kind of research exercise. Um, but the, what we do know, as, as you've kind of highlighted, is that uh, often um, the early years are really important in setting up uh, people's health for the future and uh, it can have a, a strong influence on uh, health kind of right across the life course through to adulthood and so forth. Um, there, there were kind of some specific areas where 
Um, although the evidence um, in terms of empirical kind of studies is, is quite limited, um, seemed from a kind of more theoretical point of view to be areas of concern. So for example, where we are encouraging people to stay at home, um, then uh, when we originally wrote this document, it was before the UK government had actually introduced uh, social distancing. Um, and one of the areas we were potentially concerned about was impacts on physical activity, for example, amongst children. Uh, so we know that it, it, from other evidence from kind of longitudinal studies uh, across, across the life course that um, physical activity in the early years seems to then have uh, kind of tracked through to adulthood. So um, there, are, there, there, were, there is potential that people uh, become less physically active and in particular children and the longer term consequences of that might be uh, that we have uh, a, a group of uh, future adults who would be less active than they would have otherwise been. Um, and I think it's been to the government's credit that they have tried to encourage uh, physical activity during this time. You talk about the profound impact that unemployment has on health. And earlier you mentioned the role of mental health. Is this the main mechanism through which unemployment affects health or are there other mechanisms? The pathways between unemployment and poor health um, are probably pretty complicated. Um, we know that when uh, people lose their job, um, they tend to experience poorer mental health um, and that extends to uh, having an increased risk of suicide, for example. Um, but the, the, there are quite, potentially quite a lot of other pathways. Um, so, for example, it might result in people being at higher risk of taking up some uh, behaviours that have kind of longer term poor physical health uh, consequences. So, for example, smoking or drinking too much alcohol or those types of things. Um, however, the, the actual um, evidence on that is, is a, a bit less clear cut than the mental health side of things. Um, we also know that in terms of uh, looking at the kind of very severe end of health, so looking at uh, issues like the risk of death, that unemployment seems to be related to having a, a greater risk of, of dying. Um, most of the evidence suggests that uh, that that is a kind of a causal effect. So we, we do think that it, when someone loses their job, it seems to result in um, an increased risk of death. But there, are, there would still be some academics who would kind of question just how large an effect that is. Um, but I think from a public health point of view, most people would, would agree there's certainly a clear relation there's certainly a clear association between the two. So one of the suggestions in your paper is for online and telephone support for vulnerable groups, including those that live alone. What about communities? Do they have a role to play? Um, so communities have a really important role to play in the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. One uh, area that has, has been really uh, kind of heartening to see and um, has, has been the way that a lot of people have volunteered to help 
uh, with uh, responding to the situation. So we, there's been a, a massive upsurge in people volunteering to, to help with things like food delivery or to help uh, kind of in the NHS and so forth. Um, there is a, a practical issue of for um, during periods of uh, physical distancing that um, obviously we're trying to uh, discourage people from mingling too much. So the, the way that people are able to help is often a bit different from what it might have been during normal times. But um, I suspect that as we move forward as well, and as uh, some of the restrictions begin to relax, they'll continue to be an important role for communities. Um, and that might include uh, things like being able to help with contact tracing and uh, help ensure that people who uh, have to remain uh, shielded at home because of uh, previous health conditions and so forth continue to get the support they need. Um, so although it's felt feels like at the moment, like we might have been at home for quite a while, actually w there, there's probably still quite some time to go uh, in the course of this pandemic, unfortunately. What do you see as the short and long-term impacts on health inequalities? Uh, so my concern would be that health inequalities are likely to widen in the short term. Um, I think that's partly uh, going to happen as a consequence of the actual COVID-19 disease itself, uh, but partly it might happen um, because there are some groups who uh, have the least uh, amounts of resources to cope with uh, some of the changes that the government have asked of them. Um, so uh, I think making sure we try to continue supporting people um, in, in the coming months will, will be really important. Um, in, the, in the kind of medium and longer term, it's a bit difficult to know whether uh, there is the potential to try to um, make sure that a consideration of health inequalities um, uh, continues in, in kind of government considerations um, but whether that, that happens or not I think at the moment is still a big unknown um, so we might that there's at least the potential uh, for, for this to be a turning point uh, to reduce what had been uh, really growing health inequalities in recent years um, but whether that happens um, we'll need to wait and see. What we know about the impacts of COVID and social mitigation is changing every day. Is there anything that you'd like to add now that you didn't include in the report at the time of writing? So we've been um, treating this, this work as a bit of a living document, to be honest. So um, because the, the purpose of the work was very much to inform uh, some of the activities of Public Health Scotland, um, what we've been doing is trying to uh, update um, our record of what mitigation measures are currently in place, um, add in uh, further kind of health uh, mechanisms and health uh, outcomes that, that, we, that we have kind of concerns about, but also 
kind of note the areas where actually um, there has there have been robust responses to try to protect people. Uh, so I think, um, like you said, there, there have been a lot of big changes. Um, I'm not sure what exactly the, the biggest areas of uh, concern would be right now. I think um, seeing what happens in terms of the future of social distancing and exactly how uh, things are relaxed in the coming weeks will be crucial. Um, and making sure that just because some social distancing measures are being relaxed, that may not necessarily mean that, uh, for, for example, everyone's economic security uh, will just return to how it was. So I think we will need to make sure that some of these supports carry on for a bit longer. Well, thank you, Vital, for taking these 15 minutes to talk to us today. It's a really interesting report and it's been great talking to you. And you can find out more details about us and the unit along with a link to the paper we've been discussing in our podcast notes. Thanks for listening and please look out for further podcasts in this series.